0: Hello, and welcome back to The Nucci Show. As I'm recording my intro, we're in the midst of the FTX collapse and subsequent market contagion. I hope you're all doing well out there and taking care of yourselves during this insane, insane time. With that said, I am super excited about today's episode. Today I have on AJ Burney, the founder of the website tender.art. Tender has quickly become one of my favorite sites for exploring curated generative art. Originally a platform for Tezos, they recently expanded to Ethereum as well. If you've never been on Tender, I suggest you start in the icon section. It's a great way to discover generative art collections that should be on everyone's radar. Just to give you an idea of how much I like this site, since I first visited Tender on August 15th, I visited the site 285 times, which is a little over three times per day. It's become my go-to place where I can relax and explore the best generative art has to offer. AJ and I have an awesome conversation where we discuss all things tender and generative art. I hope you enjoy. AJ, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Hi, Nucci. Thanks for having me. Excited to be on. So can you give our listeners a little background on on who you are and how you got into the space? Yeah. You mean the NFT space or the gen art space, all of it?
1: All of it. Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. So, you know, recently I, uh, I had a good friend who'd been trying to get me into NFTs for a good year, 18 months. And I think, you know, somehow when I took a quick peek in, I didn't quite see what was catching my eye or I didn't quite see stuff in my price point. And I admittedly looked past it a number of times. I had some great friends who are blockchain enthusiasts tell me about the future of what NFTs are going to do, not just from a marketplace perspective, but for art, for collectibles, for verification of authenticity, all kinds of interesting stuff. But it, it just took me a minute to find the right thing that caught my eye and. When I did find it, it was generative art. And I'm lucky to have eventually kind of come across some great works on art blocks and quickly after some great work on FX Hash. But um, I think the reason that it caught my eye so well is just my background in the fine arts, in technology, and the intersection of those. So I've been uh, active in art, have my own art practice for. Really, my whole life, I I also wove that into technology by starting in you know, on making websites in the in the '90s and playing around with Flash and doing a lot of web design and development in the late '90s. I went to art school and got a kind of like a formal, traditional training in branding and design and a lot of other topics. But always had my side practice focused in technology and was studying some of the then pioneers and still pioneers like John Maeda and what was going on at the MIT media lab, super interesting stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So in the late nineties, John Maeda had a book called design by numbers and uh, a couple of others out. And he was doing computational design at MIT. He, I, I'm going to get my history wrong, but I, I think he founded the MIT media lab, or at least he was running it at the time and had a really active student base putting out, really interesting work, both on their own right and I think pulling from some of the history of generative art pioneers that worked in systems design either on early computers or even outside of computers. So doing systematic design, following rule sets to create art on paper, on walls, like Solo using early plotters to generate art that, you know, you might not know what it's gonna look like before the the system outputs it. And you might be able to output a lot of different variations of that art just from these one systems. So these were pioneers at MIT trying to push that further, both from a creative aspect, but from a technological perspective. What are the systems that can run it? And what are some of the systems that allow artists to use it? And so that was really a lot of the early genesis of what we're seeing with P5JS right now, processing through JavaScript. And so processing was a great segue into highly performative art computer-based art coming off of processing. But I think at the time, a lot of people looking for a way to get that work out there was a challenge at the time. And so you had these subcultures of people doing really interesting things. And I was lucky enough to come across many of them, a lot of people stretching it into their client work if they could. Some information design and data visualizations was a hot topic, particularly at the time, and using processing to, to make it happen. And so, you know, long fast forward to the last couple of years as processing evolved to P5JS became more popularized, a little bit easier probably for certain people to pick up, start creating art with. That medium of generative art became a really natural fit for what was happening with the blockchain and NFT marketplaces. And probably for your listeners, I think the rest is kind of history, but
0: that's, that's kind of how I came to it. Super interesting. Can you, for someone who doesn't know what generative art is, or if you're talking to a friend who's not into this space at all, how do you explain generative art and kind of how it fits into the blockchain?
1: Yeah, when I'm explaining it, I'm always starting with the art and the process. And I start similar to what I was just mentioning about a systems-based approach to creating. So it's defining a set of rules that is going to output some unknown but anticipated artwork. And so when you get to the complexity of using programming languages on the computer to create those systems, the potential variety, the potential complexity of those is almost infinite. You can write as complex of a program as you want to draw something onto the computer screen. It can be static, it can be animated, it can be interactive, it can be so many different things, it can look like anything you can imagine, abstract or representational. But what happens is that computer system is generally taking into account some sort of combination of definitive rules, which have to be done, and randomized rules, which have a possibility of being done. And the combination of those things really creates for some interesting outputs that, an artist, again, might have some idea of what's going to come out, but they don't know exactly what's going to come out each time that computer program is run. And so that's what generative art is for NFTs, typically, is a computer program that's written by an artist that then outputs uh, a creative work of some type, which is really exciting because you know it doesn't have to just create one work. And so you have this really interesting dynamic where sometimes artists will create their program to output you know, a perfect piece and that can be a, a single curated one of one that's sold that way. It can be output to, to, to generate multiple one of ones, but it can also be delivered to collectors on a marketplace that generates tens, hundreds, even thousands of outputs where people don't know what's going to come out of that same singular software program. Um, but it's it's really exciting when you see it. So that's another form of generative art, that in particular has become really popular and it's a large area of my focus these days too.
0: Yeah, I, I think it was really interesting hearing, can't remember which artist said this, but they were saying how before Ethereum and the blockchain, they would create these algorithms and then they would run it 10,000 times and they'd pick out their favorite three and those would be the three pieces from this algorithm and that would be the art produced by it. And now it's very different in the sense that, or not, I guess you can still do it that way, and I'm sure people do. But now there's an interactive moment for the person who's buying the art, where they can mint it, and at the moment they mint it, the timestamp and their wallet and a couple a bit of random data goes in and produces something that neither they nor the artist knew they would get, and locks it in in there forever. And I think that piece is just super interesting to me. And and I guess the other the other piece that I hadn't really thought much about was the idea that. I think some artists would actually. I'm not sure what like uh, w- what type of art this would be, but you have like a screen or something where you're making, you know, 100 editions something, and then they'll destroy the thing that made those 100 editions. So You know that those are the only 100 copies, which with code or an algorithm, they could potentially create, you know, millions. But when you put that into the blockchain and say it can only do 100, you've now made like an immutable algorithm. And I think both of those things are an immutable set of outputs, right? Where you can't I guess suppose that you could put the algorithm back on the blockchain and do another 1000 but you do have a very limited run and yeah those are the things that kind of caught my attention about it for sure. Yeah,
1: the analogy to, you know, essentially like printmaking, traditional printmaking is I think, you know, basically what you're referencing or fine arts that only can have a finite amount of outputs still requires a level of proof of authenticity even in real life goods, right? Because at this point there's so much technical ability in the world that somebody can replicate an old masterwork somebody can replicate a contemporary artist or a modern artist and present this new you know this forged painting as real and it's really hard to tell the difference and so there is an element of authenticating even physical works that the blockchain you know the blockchain takes that job on and does it you know as as part of the process so that authenticity is sort of taken care of. And so whether you could create more things is kind of removed from the table as a negative because the authenticity is built in. Now it's really cool because actually you can see what else could be created when you're looking at these software programs. And people do that often, they'll, they'll open up the software and they can not only run it and see what else could have been produced, but didn't get, you know, didn't get made into an NFT, but they can also sometimes even alter the code and learn from other artists. That's what's so exciting too from an artist's perspective is they'll pull up the code that's right there live on the blockchain, pull it down so that they can start altering it and learning, oh, if I did this or if I changed that, and not to, not to copy it, but to learn from the techniques that the other artists in the space are, are working with is, I think, really exciting. It's one of the things that's contributing to the space really evolving so incredibly fast. Like, you see the difference in generative art two years ago to now. It's incredible what's evolved out of it, really.
0: Yeah, I was listening on a Twitter space to William Apan, and he was talking about how much more difficult it was to do this 10 years ago or five years ago or even one year ago, and that the tools at the new artist's disposal are just incredible. So in a sense, it's like, I don't know if it's a renaissance of generative art, but it's definitely, we're seeing it flourish, which is really exciting so tender is your project it's a generative art platform can you tell us a bit about that and and how you're bringing new art to the market
1: yeah sure um there's a couple parts of tender um one being bringing art to the market and the other really supporting the art and the artists that are there supporting the collectors that's how it started you know i mentioned coming into the nft space through generative art and as i found fx hash and the literally thousands of projects that were already there in the matter of less than two months, I realized just how challenging it could be to navigate that for a busy person coming in and trying to find great art. You know, it's a, it's a bit of digging. It's a bit of um, conversation starting.
0: Can you tell us a bit about like FX hat, maybe a little bit about the generative art landscape. I feel like there's there's Artblocks, there's FX Hash, there's there's probably a couple dozen, but maybe yeah. those two because they seem to be the bigger players. And just give the listeners a little outline of who they are and, and and how they operate in space. Sure. We we talked about sort of what
1: generative art is and how that kind of is constructed and how artists are working with the with the medium these days in particular. And um, Artblocks is really the platform that strongly brought it to the blockchain they revolutionized how it was um minted and delivered to collectors and they continue to put out amazing projects through a number of different series curated series and um you know additional what they now call art blocks presents projects that where artists can come in and continue to mint through the through the platform on ethereum in terms of the whole landscape there are additional platforms that do this, or I was going to say same, but similar types of minting, random minting of new art pieces through a single software program, usually in the scope of like a thousand works, sometimes less, especially recently. A lot of artists have been focusing on smaller edition sizes. So you have GM Studio puts out um, some really fantastic work. They're really careful about how they release things every month or two. Um, and have a great DAO associated with them. So they're structured a little bit differently, but the the form of the art is very much generative. Um, art is another platform. And in November, somebody named that goes by the name of Cypherd created and launched a platform called FXHash on the Tezos blockchain. And they were really the first and still are the uh, prominent, most prominent generative art platform on Tezos. And from a quantity perspective, you know, the most prolific generative art platform out there at all. They're now numbering over twenty thousand projects on FX Hash. Many of those are generative in the way I talked about it through code. Some of them are using images and different combinations of randomness to create an artwork. And you know, artists really are able to use the platform in whatever they whatever way they see fit. And that's one of the great things about it. It's a very open source ecosystem um, and ethos that has come down from the founder through everybody that mints on there and everybody who integrates with fx hash and so back to tender that was a great way for us to kind of work with a system that was open source and build on top of it you know i think that's part of the vision i know that's part of the vision from ciphered is being a layer that other builders can build on top of and so, you know, I think they're very encouraging of us finding a way to do something that was not part of their core platform in terms of curation, but to come on top and use their APIs to basically curate a set of projects that made it more accessible for people to do a quick view of what's happening on the platform, get a quick view of things that are already being discussed on Discord and in Twitter, but, you know, kind of just flying by at the speed of. Web3, I think that's one of the challenges is so much great information is just going by, going by in feeds, going by in channels. And so it might sound a little bit old school, but we we're really all about like finding a single place that was always there, a hub that people can come in, find some great art, find some, not just great art, but find some information about that art. Take some of those conversations that are happening and write editorial about them, share perspectives, collector perspectives on what the art means to them. Have that all in one place and let that be a branching off spot for existing collectors, for new collectors to kind of go from and, you know, go back out and discover more on FX Hash, go back out, discover more on some of the other Gen Art platforms.
0: Yeah, I would say coming to Tender, I love icons and it reinvigorated like my excitement for generative art on Tezos, I guess, generative art in general, but specifically Tezos, because I think I found. I didn't know William Mappan had another collection. Like I'm a huge uh, <laughs> anti-cyclone. And then I found dragons and it's incredible. And I started scrolling through icons and it is, it's is—it's a really cool way to like find some of the, I mean, really the best stuff out there. But then you also have drops, right? This section called drops. And is this basically drops that you're personally excited about or where you know the artist or how, how does someone end up in the drop section?
1: Yeah, they're curated for some, for basically, uh, and I'll get to this in a little bit, but for some of our pass holders, we do a curated view of drops, but there are always drops coming every day on FX hash. And again, it's one of these things where it takes some effort to keep on top of. And so curation as a layer can help certain people, you know, be efficient with their searching. And, you know, an Art blocks platform might have one, two, three drops a week. FX hash can have hundreds. And so our drop section surfaces all of them, but also gives people a curated view of not just what's coming up soon, but what has recently dropped and is still minting, but is really exciting. And so it's a subjective, just like the icons list, it's a subjective curation of what's out there, but it's a really good entry point. It's a really good quick fix for people to come in and find some great art. I mean, that's the thing about the icons list too, is it's phenomenal art you know that for me that's why it was so easy to come into fx and see that stuff and not be tied down by tezos or eth or whatever it is it was just this stuff is phenomenal no matter where you put it and yeah. you know dragons and some you know some, i think there's a couple hundred projects on the icons list at that point because it's that good yeah so a lot of stuff to be explored
0: there objectively awesome stuff I know I know you put this together and it's obviously art and it's subjective but there's this this collection it's so cool when I go through there I get really excited ah uh, thanks and now I'm seeing density which I've never even heard of and it looks amazing and I, I want to go explore it and there's apparently still some to mint maybe or am I losing it oh there's a hundred available for sale I see okay cool yeah, yeah it's it's really neat so you mentioned a moment ago the past can you tell us a bit about the 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 pass and how it fits into the site?
1: Yeah. The tender pass was something that we debated launching for quite a while, but serves a couple of purposes. You know, tender was launched in February and it started as a side project for me while I have my other, or not my other, I have my, you know, digital product clients and I was working with a number of startups to launch their products. And uh, slowly tender has sort of taken over. I eventually got to the point of firing my last clients and really focusing on tender full-time but it's not it's not a marketplace in itself we're there to support fx hash as a marketplace and i'm sure we'll talk about it in a minute like some of the other marketplaces that we're going to support but we're not bringing income in through that effort and meanwhile you know i'm working on it full-time i have uh, uh, a couple of developers that have been working with me to do the programming various features, contract integrations, and so forth. So it's not a light lift. And so the pass was, for one, brought up to find a way of getting community support. We had so much community support from just a communications perspective, from people contributing their writing and their efforts to what Tender was doing, and just you know being involved with using Tender to spread the word about great art, great generative art. The pass was a further way for people to get involved with Tender and support us and at the same time gain access to some of the special, extra special things that we, were, that we were starting to build. Now, most of tender.art, the website, is available to everybody. There's only a few features that are particular to pass holders, and they're kind of like features that are public that they get extra bonus access to. So really, the platform itself is a is a public service. It's there for collectors. There's a lot of built-in tools that I think are really interesting for people who have gone a little bit deeper in collecting. But the other thing that we do is, is a collaboration series that we've been working on. It really started in about February. And uh, we're working with some amazing artists, some quite established and some quite new, and uh, trying to... Just do something new with generative art. I, you know as I mentioned, I think the the possibilities for what Gen art can be is limitless. it really is, and what it should be what gen art should be is also undefinable. I don't believe in a certain you know dogma for what that what gen art has to look like or feel like or anything. So our projects are really about trying to bring something new to the space, working with artists to push them and push the space creatively, sometimes technically. And so, you know, here we are about eight months since starting that, and we've launched 12 projects through our collaboration series, and the pass holders get special access to those collaborations. As of our next collaboration release, which will be roughly November 18th, that will be reserved for only pass holders to Mint. So they'll get first access to it for the, for the 24 hours following release, and then we'll open it up to the public Um, So it's a way to sort of reward the people who are supporting us. And, you know, frankly, it's it's great collectors. It's passionate collectors who are um, sharing their voices and opinions on Twitter and they're active in our Discord just talking art and, you know, talking about generative art and everything it means. It's pretty exciting.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I I think if I remember one of our first conversations, you mentioned that you created a Discord. I think it's token gated. And it maybe like ruffled some feathers in the Tezos community that you had a t- token gated discord. Can you talk a little bit about, I, I feel like different chains like Tezos, Ethereum, Solana, they all have a bit of a different culture to them. Can you talk a little bit about yeah. the culture within the Tezos ecosystem and why maybe people had their feathers ruffled about that?
1: Sure. The Tezos community is uh, incredibly strong. They're incredibly collaborative. You know, they're really supportive of each other. And that was one of the things that excited me about joining in and finding an FX hash. FX hash being sort of a a really large subculture within Tezos, right? And so the FX Discord itself, really open and collaborative, people helping each other when there's you know new collectors coming in, sharing their candid points of view about the art, artists in there talking with other collectors. That's Always really exciting is to hear directly from the artists, and the artists are so engaged with their with their collectors on Tezos. Not that they aren't elsewhere, but it's it's palpable, right? And um, you know, the other thing you have with Tezos is the price point relatively is quite accessible, and so the the diversity of collectors that you have on Tezos is really broad, and um, I think kind of helps elevate some of the the art conversations and the community conversations that come up through it. So, you know, with Ethereum, there's been a lot of different contracts put together with how mints are done, how allow lists are made, how auctions are run, and there's a lot at stake in a lot of those environments. It makes sense to um, sort of implement some of those systems. With Tezos, it's taken a little while for there to be actually even a need for some of those systems, but they have ultimately started to work their way into Tezos. So for instance, allow lists were not something initially built into um, FX hash, nor were Dutch auctions. And as more and more appreciation for the art sort of compounded within FX, the prices are rising, the needs to manage the access to that, you know, it grew. And so some of those devices were brought over. Sometimes I think within a system, or sorry, a community that is so open the idea of openness is sometimes more clear than what the openness actually is. And so when we said, hey, we're launching a pass, we got incredible support for it. It was really, it was humbling to see the the collectors that we knew and talked with and worked with for so long kind of really support us and and buy into the future of what tender and really generative art can be. There's always some people who are worried about Gating a community and really our perspective is where it's not there's nothing that we're really gating at all. We're really just trying to provide an even more curated experience to people and so you know that the the, the idea that there is this gated community that we we're in here and you can't come in really we do share everything on Twitter, we do share our collaborations have been actually fifty percent. Open to the public and fifty percent for pass holders. Actually, up until right now, so a lot of it's about, yeah, just sort of balancing that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah. I when I I go to I probably go to your site more than FX Hash to be honest because I feel like on Tender there's a bit more focus and like I can really get lost on FX Hash. But like sometimes I want to get lost and I just want to like explore and find all the weird crazy stuff going on there. But I, I do feel like it's a huge service just being able to have like a little bit of concentration and a little bit of like, look at these specific things. Yeah, it it, it is interesting also, like, as you were saying, the the price point is more accessible. So it's a place where if I'm trying to get friends int- who are interested in this, I'll usually point them in the direction of Tezos just because it's a way more accessible from a financial perspective. But I am curious, do you have any outlook on the future of like, multi-chain like a multi-chain world where you see things flourishing. I'd love to hear your opinion on that.
1: Yeah. The accessibility on Tezos is is critical to its success and is a big part of what draws a lot of collectors in. And more and more there's a wider range of price points on there. So you're seeing artists who might have been selling pieces for one, five, ten Tezos, which might be, let's just roughly say you know, 8 to $15 at the moment. Prices coming way up in the hundreds, sometimes in the thousands of Tezos. And the art's phenomenal. The, there's, these are artists that may or may not be on different blockchains selling for even multiples of that. So, you know, the pricing's all relative, right? And at, you know, pricing gates so much stuff. Actually, like going back to your last question, you, know, you talk about what's gated and what's not. Everything's available for a price, <laughs> and that can serve as a gate for a certain thing. So our pass, I mean, our pass is relatively, relatively inexpensive. Now it's super expensive for um, what's traditionally been sold as art on the on the FX Hash platform. So right now, I think our floor price is around. It's almost four hundred tezos. Right, and we minted it at two hundred and fifty. It's a it's a hefty purchase, no joke. That was huge support that people bought in with. But when you look at the passes on the, you know, okay, four hundred tezos is six hundred, roughly six hundred dollars. When you look at the passes on the Ethereum side, it's just (laughs) it's it's all relative, right? Yeah. And so you know, I think that's both an understandable dynamic of how both chains and both marketplaces have evolved. And in some ways, I feel like it's a little bit unfortunate because for collectors who are really devoted to bringing in great art into their collection, talking about great art with their audiences, their friends, their communities, the price point differences don't, don't necessarily reflect always just the differences in art so much as blockchain platform credibility, those kinds of things. So, you know, I'm I'm really interested to see where the future of the markets go, not like next couple of months, but next couple of years, you know, when we're looking back on what's turning out to be, or like you said, a renaissance or really pivotal few years for generative art, which I believe is really going to lead into decades of a strong movement I don't think that the differences in pricing will be related to blockchain and platform. I think it will focus on the art and the artists. And that's, my, that's just my hypothesis. I know a lot of people feel differently, but as the blockchains become more flexible, the recent Ethereum upgrades, um, as the blockchains change their dynamics and more platforms open up more and more, you know, we talk about basically Artblocks, GM Studio, GenArt, FX Hash, there's more opening. Almost every day, it seems like you know we've got some great ones. Cverso doing interesting things with um, collector input. We've got what is that? Yeah, C-Verso is a Tezos-based Gen Art platform that allows collectors to change not necessarily the specific parameters, but parameter types before they mint, so that they can see their output before they mint it. It's a little QQL-ish, right? So you're yeah. seeing more platforms do some creative things with generative art. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I think we're going to see a lot more of existing platforms get into generative art. Corey Haber just launched an amazing gen art collection called Sol, S-O-L, uh, on foundation. So it's a long-form piece on foundation. You know, so again, I think it's be- going to become more about following great art and artists and less about following just platforms, even though the platforms will continue to matter a lot.
0: How does that work on foundation? I think when I think of Foundation, I think of it as a one on one site, so did they yeah. generate a hundred and then just list them all, or are people able to mint them on Foundation? They mint them on Foundation. Oh wow, is that new? That must be new.
1: It's new. It's brand new, yeah, I believe That's... Corey was maybe one of the second maybe the second or third artist to do it. Them. I forget who the first was, but it does go back to some of the differences in the way that generative art is minted in terms of the randomness versus the curated perspective we were talking about in the beginning. So, you know, we talked about an artist going through hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of outputs and curating the ones that they want to see. Artists are still very much doing that. And sometimes they're doing that for one-of-ones auditions, sometimes they're doing that for larger sets, and they're putting them out there as sort of long form curated sets. I think we're gonna continue to see that come out, probably more of it, to be honest. There's been some great projects. Tectonics is another one that came out. It's just phenomenal. Who's that? And by? So cause So is that you know it's handled to find them by and you know, they made their own website. I believe they worked with the manifold contracts to get that done. And the art is extraordinary. It's extraordinary. And so it's really a balance for the artist. Is the artist going to spend more time finessing that software program, that algorithm to put out the kinds of things that they hope to see within reason at random? Or are they going to put their effort into honing the code to put out the curated pieces that they want to cherry pick and they they're going to say okay in this software program it's okay if there's some really there's some bad outputs some outputs i just don't like that's okay because i'm going to throw them away i'm going to curate my favorites so it's just Mm -hmm. a different working process and i think they're all valid as far as generative art goes but it does create you know it's a different minting mechanic that probably is a little bit more accessible for a lot of platforms and a lot of artists quantum does it with photography traditionally quantum is a photography Mm -hmm. nft platform traditionally who's branched out in a really interesting way into what they call digital art which includes generative works kim isendorf uh released a really interesting series there recently and i think we're going to see some interesting stuff from that platform coming up so platforms are, are bound like they're they're creating some interesting things but yeah again i just go back to the the phenomenal art movement we have in front of us the phenomenal artworks and artists that we get to follow and a lot of them are already they're going across chain they're going across platforms and creating some exciting stuff so it's going to be a pretty fun year to watch all of this unfold
0: yeah definitely we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors if you're like me and you have a bunch of nfts across a handful of wallets then you know just how hard it is to keep track of your portfolio. This is where WGMI.io comes in. They've built a platform where you can import multiple wallets and see your entire collection value at a glance. They show your buy dates, your buy prices, the floor prices, and if you've got something super rare, they can do a floor value buy trade. They have quarterly, annual, and lifetime memberships available. So head on over to WGMI.io and let them do the hard work for you. So I want to bring it back to Tender for a second. What do you guys have on the horizon for you? Like, what, what what are you working on right now? What do you see coming out in the next next six months, year?
1: Yeah, we just finished what's been a huge initiative for us, and that is expanding from where we started. And we talked about the curation of FX Hash as a platform, um, expanding the Tender website to include Ethereum platforms, Art Blocks. Gen.art and GM Studio integrated right there alongside FX Hashwork. So it goes, it kind of goes to what we were just talking about with elevating the conversation to the level of the art and seeing the the work side by side between different platforms. So right there on our icons page, it will be artblocks projects next to FX Hash projects. And they're all compelling in their own ways. So um that's been a, a big lift from a development perspective. It was one of the things that when we launched the past said hey this we we acknowledge this is very much about supporting what we want to do and what we want to do for the space and so now we get to launch that and provide that service to all collectors uh, again hopefully as like an easy an easy access point to great art you know just go there on that icons list you're going to be able to scroll down and see uh, you are gonna see Fidenza at the top. You're going to see a lot of projects that Ethereum-based collectors are going to recognize. And they're going to probably discover some oh. new things that they might not have known about otherwise. Like you said with dragons, that kind of thing happening more and more is just going to enrich the space and help collectors find new art to love. So that's really exciting for us. The The update also integrates wallet connectivity. So you can actually do your collecting from one platform across multiple chains. Which I think will be really interesting for people as well. See your collection across multiple chains. So I can see all of my long form generative art together and manage that collection as one. So I think it's just a it'll be an interesting step in that direction of supporting generative art at that top level. That's super so that's that's kind of like right now. And that's a big thing. I think one of our next big initiatives is really gonna be around onboarding and really finding ways to help get new collectors excited about the things that we're all excited about. There's a lot of passion in this space and I, I've seen it time and time again, somebody new come in curious and next thing you know, they're, <laughs> they're going through the icons list and they're buying one of each or they're trying to, you know, trying to find their, their niche and what they're most interested in and, you know, really getting hooked on it. And I think one of the hardest parts about entering the space is those first moments It's getting your currency in. It's getting your wallet set up. It's understanding the terminology. And there's some great resources. Zeneca, Zeneca has been launching some great onboarding resources. There's a number of others who are working on this. And so we really want to help sort of aggregate and present as much of that helpful information in as concise a way as possible to just get people in, right? And. I think that's kind of the perspective that we'll take over the next six months. Is like, how do we serve as a hub that people can branch out from? There's great content out there too. As sort of an art, as a, you know, this really massive art movement, art medium. There's a lot of great content out there. It's great writing on platforms like Right Click Save, uh, Outland, and others that I know, you know, it's just going to keep growing. And so, yeah, it becomes increasingly difficult to kind of like find your way across all of those and keep all of your Twitter alerts going. And it's just it can be quite overwhelming. And so, I just have this sense that a hub, uh, sort of a home base for people to refer back to and then branch out from, is going to be not just a, a service to collectors, but hopefully a way to keep supporting all the all of the platforms that are budding in generative art, because we're not, you know, we started with FX Hash. It was uh, fantastic. They've been a fantastic partner, but we're not specific to a platform. We wanna support all of them. There's great galleries, Art X Xcode, uh, Verse, Vertical Crypto. There's some great platforms that are helping curate awesome shows for generative art. We wanna help spread the word out there and make sure people know about this stuff.
0: I wanted to ask you two questions. The first is something I asked you on our very first call, and I, I'm imagining if I didn't know the answer, maybe some of the listeners are also curious. What do you mean when you say long-form generative art?
1: Yeah, long-form is uh, maybe a specific-sounding term that is exactly what we've been talking about with one software program putting out multiple iterations in a grouping that's called One Long-Form Artwork. So um, there's some people who will talk about an artwork as the software and the grouping of pieces that it puts out. Some people will talk about an artwork as one of those pieces that's put out by the software program. But all in all, the long form aspect is really letting the software program do its thing and have multiple iterations in a set, whether that set is curated by the artist or that set is minted at random by collectors. So that's long form and platforms like art blocks, FX hash, GM, Genda arts, and some others coming up are totally devoted to long form. And then you have some platforms like C who can do sometimes one-on-ones and sometimes long form. So there's a lot of flexibility there.
0: Makes sense. My, my second, uh, bozo question, so to speak, uh, I have some art I love, and I'm curious. I have a feeling you have a good answer on this. I really want to get it. You can see my walls right now, and there's nothing on them right now. And I, w- I want to get some really nice prints done. Well, we've printed a couple things, and I sort of like the way they've turned out. But I'm curious, do you have any opinion on the best way to print this stuff or where you would go to get, get, your, get physicals made of some of your collections? <laughs>
1: I do i 'm laughing because i 'm not sure that we 've actually talked about this, and so um I love that it isn 't a loaded question, but actually, Tender has a printing service that we 've built in that we 've integrated with a phenomenal printer who does not only does world class printing but actually is one of the innovators of how pigment printing is done around the world by some of the top printers, and so we 've created a partnership with them to basically take on orders from tender.art. So what we do is we actually token gate any printing. You can only print the pieces that are part of your collection that, that are owned by the connected wallet. And you put in the high res file and order your print. You put in a couple of the specifications. So it's a really easy system to get really phenomenal prints. I'm talking like super rich blacks, great paper stock, archival quality prints. They're handled by art handlers and they come really well packaged. So it's a a great service. We don't make money off of it. It's kind of just one of these things that I personally felt is so important for me and potentially so important for collectors to really have another opportunity to live with their art in a way that's at the caliber of the fine art it is, right? You wouldn't... I think people spending the kind of dollars that are being spent on NFT generative art, would not accept any old print from a gallery putting out fine editions of of traditional prints. And so this should be no different. Yes, you can go get cheaper prints from any print shop, absolutely. And you can get just as good prints probably from select printers, but they're hard to find and coordinate, and this just allows you to order it all online and done in a quality way. But it really comes down to, I think, living with the art is really... It sounds so simple, but I really believe it's one of the the most powerful ways to spread the words about generative art is to share it, to show it. And it's not always easy to do that on screen. Sometimes it is. Send a link and there it is. But the context is different than when somebody walks in your home or the place where you work and you have something hanging on your wall. It It could be a screen showing a moving piece or something, or it could be a print, a really fine quality print, that just captures the conversation and interest of people in a different way. And I think it's a really powerful entry point for people is to just be captivated by what they, their first impression is then get a little bit more information about the art, then realize what it is. It's made by code. Oh my God. Wait, it's, you know, it's sold as an NFT. I heard about those things. What's, you know? And so we've all had the conversation with people who are not believers or, or active disbelievers. Sometimes it's easy to go easier to go in through the art and prints are a great way of showing that off first.
0: Yeah. I found the print page on your website. I I didn't know you did this. I'm actually, as soon as you started talking, I had a flashback to when I interviewed Cypher like months ago, he mentioned, I want to say he talked a lot about, that's how I found your site and you, and he introduced us. But um, I cool. think you might have mentioned prints, And I think that might have been why I asked you that. Because I was like, oh, well, at least know where to find them. But I hadn't found them on the site until you just started talking. So I can't wait to try this. Does it support ETH prints as well? Or just has us for now? It does support ETH. Yes. Yeah. Let's so go. that was something that,
1: yeah, I'm really psyched about that. I think that, you know, again, people spending legit amounts of ETH on artworks that, they're really passionate about why not live with them? Why not have them on your wall? Like it's nice to visit your collection page on OpenSea or wherever you're looking at it on Tinder now, but to live with it is just a different thing. Every time you pass by, you get that little, that little jolt of joy. Yeah. And um actually to bring it to bring up full circle for full circle. I think that's where you and I or how you and I met is through Cypher. And he he and I ended up talking about prints as well. And what we're going to do is have a custom printing service for GM Studio. And so he set it up so that actually high-res files are linked directly to all of their projects and will link right into our printing service, where you really have to do very little lifting from a collector perspective. You say how big you want it, you press order. It's run by Shopify. It's super easy to check out in Fiat or in ETH. And you're good to go. So super, you know. Again, it's just a it's just a service. Like it's just something that we want to see out there in people's homes and office spaces. I want to see the pictures on Twitter from collectors who order these things because it's just like I don't know. It's just a special thing. You see those every once in a while. You'll see a picture of some incredible artwork in somebody's home. And you're like, oh man, it does look really good. I should do that. I should do that. And it's just it's hard if you don't have an easy way to do it. So here
0: we go. Totally, we have the anticyclone printed in behind my wife's desk and it looks so good like they're amazing pieces on the screen but printed out it is just it takes on a life of its own it's really something special and it's actually we have like a pac-man machine right next to it and i'll go play like a week a game or two a week but i'm always like i always take a minute and like really appreciate it and um it it's funny like now that there's a physical it kind of makes the like it like unsellable Because I look at it and I I love it so much. So anyways, I'm thrilled to know you do that. I can't wait to use this service because I have a bunch of stuff I want to print. And this looks super easy and they look amazing. So I'm really excited about that. Very cool. I have some rapid fire questions that I love to wrap the show up with. And the first one I know is going to be annoying and painful, but I want you to, when I ask you this, I just want you to say, the very first thing that comes to your mind and don't think too much about it all right hit me what is your favorite generative art collection dragons oh the... <laughs> all right amazing
1: did i say it quick enough
0: <laughs> you, you did i did i think if i let people think about that question they start to lose their mind a little bit so uh yeah dragons. i mean
1: well, i am I have to say I'm really careful about not having favorites because I don't. It's like, you know, who's your favorite chil- child? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, there's some amazing artworks out there. It, to me, dragons, it's so visceral. It's so deep and provocative in ways that I am continually reimagining for myself. Like, what is this little glimpse of a potential larger thing, dragon, entity? What does that dragon symbolize? What, you know, there's just so much in there that, you know, that's what I'm looking for in art is something that gets me thinking, that gets some emotion stirring. And if it can do that each time I look at it, and if it can evolve over time, that's really exciting art. So that's what I look for. I I love it when other people talk about the art that hits them in the same way. So yeah, that, that was an easy answer.
0: Yeah, I remember the first time I saw dragons because I was, I remember thinking, I was like, this is the, some of the best genre of art I've ever seen. Like compared it to literally all of my favorites, but there aren't that many that I put that high. And I saw it and it just like really blew my hair back. And then I immediately went and messaged like all my Gen art friends like, are you, do you guys know about this? So very good answer. I, I completely agree. And I have mentioned It's real his name several times, but it's, it's William upon. Okay.
1: If you don't mind, I'll say one more thing about that. Cause it's kind of, it's kind of funny having just released the icons listing integrates Ethereum and, and Tezos is, it is, it's a list, right? It's not a ranking, but there is an order to it. It's, it's a website. I can't help it. There is some order to it. And so it's not accidental, but it's not objective. It's not listed by floor price or USD price, it's really going it's really listed in a curated way the idea is for it to be a compelling presentation whatever that means and so i'm thinking about a lot of the different components that go into why somebody would love art i'm looking at it from my perspective naturally but i am thinking about voices i've heard people are talking about different projects and what's you know what's the conversation out there in the in the community about these different projects and this conversation came up about dragons and anticyclones. Which one should be above the other? <laughs> and again, I don't look at it as like one is better than the other. But for me, you know, it really it really came down to that imagination-spurring component of not just the work itself, the, having the title of dragons. It's just, it all comes together into something really conceptually strong. And again, it's just one perspective to take. And whether you agree with it or not, what I hope that the icons list does, what I hope that curation does in the generative art space is it gets people thinking a little bit deeper about all these great works that we're seeing. So that's that just a little aside about dragons and the anticyclone. But yeah, Mapan's work is extraordinary.
0: Yeah, and he's been teasing some stuff on Twitter. These like paint smears, they look like, I don't know, they look very uh, like textural, like tactile. I feel like I could rub my hand over it. And I'm wondering, I, I'm not sure if they're going to be part of the iconic moments. Uh, is it Iconic kind of Moments? No, no, no. What, uh, the
1: Bright Moments.
0: Bright Moments, Bright Moments. Yeah, I'm not sure it's going to be.
1: Yeah, he's doing an, ama- uh, an amazing series that he just released uh, with Unit that coincided with our Basel-Paris. And um, those works were awesome. He did, a, I believe, a one-of-one one that was auctioned at Sotheby's. I think Sotheby's... I want to say Sotheby's, Hong Kong, um, that I believe just ended yesterday. And then, yeah, of course, The Bright Moments... Event in Mexico City features ten extraordinary artists. It's it's going to be a great experience down there. They they always put on such good events. They're always doing something interesting and new. And I think the artists really bring great work to those projects. So I'm I'm super excited to see what all that looks like.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, on to the next one. What was your very first NFT?
1: That one I do have to think about. I think it. I think it might have been a lost poet by Puck, <laughs> which is you know not generative art. I don't know how I came to that I guess well, you know it was a i based and so you know there's some connection there, but I think it was uh yeah, just a coincidental purchase I found myself to. I don't even remember what my first f x hash purchase was. I should look,
0: yeah, you know I will say you're you're in the rare category where it wasn't a complete rug like a lot of people are like oh it was uh, something pandas and, and it was a rug and I lost everything well TBD on, on <laughs> yeah, that one <laughs> that's, that's a good point I think uh, Pac just like resurfaced not too long ago on Twitter really yeah okay who is your favorite person to follow on Twitter I, I really don't think I have one
1: maybe Monk Anthony because he's creating really interesting content of about generative art that's thoughtful and, um, you know, it's long form. So you asked me about long form, long form writing. Well, we know what that is. <laughs> it's longer than a tweet. And uh, I love getting a deeper story from people like him. But I I really try to be focused on building, whether it's building our community or a platform or creating new art with our collaborative artists. And I know I should spend more time on Twitter, but
0: that's all no, I got for this you. Is a good Sorry. answer. Sorry. <laughs> I'm following uh, Monk Anthony now. That is. this is this is good. Do you have a Grail NFT? One that got away, or one that you've had your eye on for a long time that you'd love to eventually buy?
1: Gosh, probably a lot. <laughs> I would love a n Yeah, really, I would love a uh, an uninhabitable. It's it's called a nowhere iteration by Iskra. Iskor Volechikov, an amazing collection. It's just a, a thought provoking collection where, you know, there are certain iconic types of outputs in this long form project, and one of them is called the Nowhere output. And it's just at once sort of a very dense, full expression of nowhere and also a very empty and bleak expression of nowhere. And again, just sort of a thought provoking work that uh, I don't know that I'll ever be able to collect, but it's definitely definitely up there for me. Super.
0: Okay. And my final question for you today is: What is your favorite NFT that you currently own? I can see the pain in your face. My,
1: I, yeah, I gotta it's, remove it's the word a tough favorite
0: one. from my questions. I think whenever, as soon as I use the word favorite, people just their minds like they warp. <laughs>
1: I remember the last episode I listened to of yours. I was like, "Oh shit, I better think of a good one." And here I am. <laughs> I, there's one that's there's one that's top of mind that I've used as an answer before, which is one of Rich Pool's projects on FX Hash called Umbra. I was fortunate to get Umbra number one, which is a largely sort of like black and white textured almost photogrammy type of project and i got a a red one that just has so much energy in it i love it there's also um i have a pang i forget what number it is pang is actually one of the collaborations it's the very first collaboration that we did as tender and it's an incredibly special piece to me and project to me because it was the first artist to really dive in with tender and and you know sort of Trust the process, and it really was such a strong process working with the abstractman, who's the other artist um really thoughtful, curious artist who created something I couldn't have imagined coming out awesome. of this work when we first started off on it It's really good yeah yeah so um it's a it's a it's a black one i'll put it I'll send you the link to it it has this amazing black cram marks across a a really broad canvas that I printed at like three and a half feet wide and it looks so good I wish I should find a way to get it in my background so people can see it
0: yeah I would love to see it I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to pull this one up pang I'm just seeing it now whoa these are really cool I haven't actually looked at edition size of five sixty seven. wow these are really neat
1: they're a lot of fun to watch draw
0: oh yeah let me click in on one yeah these are really neat oh they are fun to watch draw you're right (laughs) hey that's really cool (laughs) yeah for sure
1: it's like it's good to talk to you it's really fun to it's really fun to have this conversation I you can sense it I could just keep talking about this stuff this is my world I love it I'm so excited about what's coming up and having conversations like this is it's you know is a huge part of the fun so thanks for taking the time to chat with me
0: yeah this was a delight I remember our first call we got like half hour in and I was like, I think this is a podcast episode. Everything we just talked about is a podcast episode. <laughs> so yeah, thank you again awesome. for coming on. I'm, I'm sure my uh, my listeners are going to love this one. Can you give a handoff on where they can find you and, and Tender?
1: Yeah, please come find us. Tender.art is the website. Like I said, it's, it's all open to any collectors, Connector Wallet, find great pieces to love. Uh, we even have some curation tools for you to try out. We've got a pass if you want to support us, join our Discord and have conversations there and get some special access to um, our upcoming collaborations. We've got some great ones coming up and great ones that we've supported so far and uh, collaborated on so far. Find us on Twitter at tender underscore art. And uh, if you want to follow me, I'm AJ Bernie, A-J-B-E-R-N-I on Twitter as well. So say hi and I'll see you guys out there.
0: Awesome. Thanks for your time. Have a good one. Thank you guys. Bye-bye.
1: Nucci and his guests are not registered investment advisors. All opinions expressed on this show should not be relied upon for investment decisions, nor is it investment advice. The show is solely for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial
0: decisions, please consult a professional.